Teachers, welcome to the thing that we do on Fridays. Me, Brother Lawson, I'm here with Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? Oh, man, so good. Loving the Old Testament. I know our teachers are, too. Nothing better than a Friday in the Old Testament. And uh, last week, that was a doozy. I mean, there was we had a lot of great content to choose from. And luckily, teachers, you're not concerned about covering all the content. You're more worried about conversion and helping your students um, receive revelation as they study the scriptures than you are like making sure they they know everything uh, in the in the scriptures. We want them to have a, a converting experience with us. And this week, I think in uh, Genesis 18 through 23, I think that they can have that experience. I think that they might have some pretty, they have the opportunity to have some pretty special experiences in the scriptures, um, in the scriptures this week. So we got 18 to 23. Um, I think we got to split up so that 18 and 19 are lessons by themselves. We're going to combine 20 and 21 and uh, then finish Thursday, 20 through 23. And then we got a doctrinal mastery day on, on Friday with Genesis 1, 26, 27. So let's start in chapter 18 for the wing, how we set this one up for a scripture study with our students. Yeah, I first want to say like all of these chapters are really good. And I want to remind all the teachers that you want to read the chapter first, like before you go to a teacher manual, before you even listen to us, like go, (laughs) that might be kind of shocking, (laughs) go to the scriptures first. They're the source of what we're teaching. This is, uh, that's the most important reason why you're going to go to the scriptures first, but there's also a side reason you can empathize with the students as they go into the text Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to teach them better because when they read what's what's going to be interesting to them what what do you need help with you know there's there's stuff in these chapters that are it's kind of shocking it sounds really crazy you know um what does that actually mean you're going to have questions as a grown mature person who knows the scriptures and you're going to have questions that come up well think about your students so by going to the scriptures first, it is a major blessing to you. I, I believe it will save you time. It will save you time to go to the scriptures first because it's going to make everything more efficient. All your use of the teacher manual, it's going to be way more efficient. The questions that you ask, um, how to engage the students in the text, all of it is going to go way better when you go to the scriptures first. Amen. I, I absolutely believe that. So teachers, if you haven't read Genesis 18 right now, pause this and go read Genesis 18. All right. Wait. Okay, Brother Wing, what do we got in Genesis 18? So, um, you know, obviously verse 14, where it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a key passage to build off here. You know, I think this is a wonderful place for students to get application on on things that are going on in their lives and, and how the Lord can operate in their lives. So that then is a great way to key off with scripture feasting, you know, is to um, maybe set this up and say, look, here's an unbelievable blessing that comes to, um, is going to come, is prophesied to come to Abraham and Sarah. Um, So what are some unbelievable blessings, you know, that, that you feel like you've been promised or that um, you're seeking for, you know, and might be in a, it might be in their patriarchal blessing, but just let's let's read this story to gain faith and confidence that the Lord can fulfill His promises. Um, now go into the story and read. 
you know, that might be a way to set it up. I think, I think that's a great way to set it up. And, and when your students start to find things and identify, it's important, like, number one, when, when they share something, it's important to acknowledge what they shared and say, hey, thank you for sharing that. But then you want to maybe take a next step and say something like, hey, how did you come to know that was true? Like, how'd you come to know that, uh, that nothing is too hard for the Lord? What experiences have you had that have, that have helped you gain a testimony of this? Or asking a question like, how do you suppose you could gain a testimony like Abraham had that, uh, that nothing is too, and that Sarah had that nothing was too hard uh, for the Lord? How did they come to find that out? And, and could, you, could you do any of the same things that they did? What did, what did they do that you also could, could do? So that's good. I like that. They're also going to hit in chapter 18, um, Abraham, again, looking with an eye of faith towards a faithless city, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, faithless cities. Uh, he's having an interesting conversation with the Lord where he's like, hey, can we save this place? And the Lord said, absolutely. You just have to find this many and then this many and then this many. Uh, but I love the, I love the, the, optimistic outlook of Abraham, even though, and I love that the Lord let him engage in that, that optimism, even though the outcome of Sodom and Gomorrah was already, was already sealed. Yeah. You can kind of see Abraham, Abraham's mercy, you know, like his, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, maybe that's kind of like our way of dealing with the text here is kind of Abraham's way of dealing with what God is doing there as well that he's kind of like well what explain this to me help me understand and so you can see by the way that the lord lets him engage in that conversation that you can see the mercy of the lord and he's like yeah you, you find 10 righteous we'll we'll let it stay right. <laughs> you know? um, and so i do think there's a really cool point though also that that uh the righteous bless the wicked yeah. by their existence you know, and so it's it's pretty cool to kind of point this out that the wicked are given more time to repent because the righteous are there. You, know, you think about Ammoni, the Ammonihah in the Book of Mormon. You know, they kill the women and children that believe. They kick out all of the men. Well, now there's no righteous mm -hmm. in the city. That's now they're exposed. So yeah. the righteous preserve uh, the city. They're uh, obviously they're the righteous are blessed for their righteousness, and the wicked are blessed for the righteous people's righteousness. <laughs> and that's a great, that's a great principle. I think that your students can, uh, can bring right into the me here and now where um, you can have them. One of the things that the teenagers love talking about is their friends, right? So who are righteous examples in their lives that have blessed their lives? And, and why do you suppose they're righteous? What impact has their righteousness had on, on you. I think that that uh, might be an interesting conversation and application. Then uh, taking that, you, you want, always want to remember to, to do your very best to help your students to take intentional righteous action or effective righteous action. What righteous behaviors are you not currently engaging in that if you did would have a huge impact on your friends uh, and have them think of ways that they could act on on uh, that particular principle. So that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Chapter 19. We don't need to worry about that. Let's go to chapter 20. Uh, all right. Well, we'll, 19. Do chapter, we'll do chapter 19. There's, 
chapter 19 isn't as bad as it initially looks if you make sure you look at the, the JST. In fact, what I might do as I read, uh, as I first look at chapter 19, before I even read it, I'll go in the footnotes and make sure I mark all the JSTs, including uh, the one that says appendix. This is going to be a mystery to your students. That that particular, it might be a mystery to you, and that's okay, where in the back of your Bible, um, and all the way in the back, there's the Joseph Smith translations that were very lengthy, that couldn't fit in the uh, in the footnotes there, and the GST is going to become your best friend in chapter 19. If not, I mean, then your testimony is going to be hanging by a thread if it weren't for the, the GST. That might be a bit of a hyperbole, but what do you what do you think? Yeah, I do. Have, you know, this might be a silly way. You might not want to try this from teachers. But one idea to set up chapter 19 is just to say, hey, true or false, the scriptures are boring. You know, false. And just see how the see how the students <laughs> respond to that. And like and if they say true, that they are boring. Uh-huh. You're like, well, I know the road. I know the road you're going down. I'm not sure this is safe, but, but tell us anyway. Read Genesis 19, the whole chapter, and then you tell me again if you think the scriptures are boring, because there's some shocking stuff in there. And so obviously the first shocking thing uh, that's, you know, crazy and not boring is uh, this part about Lot offering up his daughters, which, the, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the Joseph Smith translation helps us tremendously to understand that story, what actually happened better. Uh, then you also have the, the actual destruction. Again, not comfortable to read necessarily, but also not boring. Um, <laughs> and uh, but you got this story of of Lot's wife, who um, in verse seventeen, well, that she the the command there, you know, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And that's some great, yeah phrases in there uh, mm-hmm. for us that, that we could take um, and, and apply to us. But as we know, Lot's wife did um, turn back uh, and suffered a consequence uh, for that, like verse 26 says. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, you know, as they read that story, you know, it's, I'd be just really interested in hearing what the students have to say. What's the message for us from that story um, with Lot's wife? And, you know, obviously not follow instructions, you know, obe- obeying the Lord, you know, but uh, there might be more to it and, and a deeper level to understand, like when the Lord, when we, the Lord gets us out of a bad situation, maybe it was our own sins, um, then let's follow the same counsel and not, we don't need to go back to it. When the Lord is, for, we've forsaken um, a sin, uh, the Lord forgives us you know, then he doesn't remember it anymore. Like there's no point in us uh, turning back uh, to it. Let's go forward in life, forward in faith. And we don't need to return to some old person, old ways, um, old thought patterns. Um, Let's go forward. So there's a, it's a, yeah, it's a weird story that's hard to relate to when you think of just the outward details of it, but the inward principles of it, that's something that we can use. It seems like that principle is is kind of showed again in this chapter with Lot's with Lot's daughter. So they just they immediately they, they see Sodom and Gomorrah getting destroyed. They probably I'm just guessing here. They probably thought the world was like that. They may have been the last people on earth 
um, because they just, I mean, they just had been in a place that's been totally annihilated. There's a great Joseph Smith little translation in uh, in verse 31 that indicates that uh, the firstborn of Lot's daughters was wicked, uh, but convinced the other one to do something drastic uh, in what appeared to be a drastic situation. Instead of relying upon the Lord and listening to, and and being confident in uh, in His instructions, this girl, uh, these girls thought that they should take matters into their own hands, and and they did what they did. Uh, they got Lot drunk, and and um, and then the story goes on. It's it's not a great it's not a great look for, for them. But I think the principle I don't think is the story to avoid with your students. I think it'd be interesting to see if they could pull out a principle out of this, maybe set, give them the context. All right. Lot's daughters, uh, it's Lot's daughters and Lot, and they've just seen their world destroyed. All right. Why would they act in this way? Um, similarly, uh, with our, with these teenagers and with us sometimes when, when we're faced with these, monumental scenarios in our life that become real life things for us sometimes we make the worst decisions possible uh we can make we can make our lives even worse um we can make our trials even harder if if uh if we don't rely on our our father in heaven and and i i get it this is a this is a rough time for lot and his and his daughters but it was no excuse for the behavior then that that took place they just came from a city that was so pervasively wicked that it was destroyed by the Lord and they had to get out in order to even spare their physical lives. Probably there were some bad influences in that city that, you know, even affected the daughters and their, their way of thinking, like, how could they get to this really awful, wicked place? Well, they just came from a really bad place. Um, but also, you know, the very end of the verse, it talks about the you know, the nations that sprang from exactly uh, these. And so the Ammonites and the Moabites, you know, these were later enemies of mm -hmm. the Israelites. And so, um, you know, I don't know if this is stretching it too much, but you know, the, when you allow evil influence into you, the fruit of that evil influence, AKA the posterity that is going to be an enemy to you. Yeah. You know? And so maybe there's a, a little a good, symbolic principle to this story. That's a good connection. You know, the other thing I kind of thought maybe this, maybe we should have turned our podcast into speculation hour, but um, the, the child that was born, uh, the posterity of that child became the father of the Mo became the father of the Moabites, which we know Ruth was, which we know Jesus was a descendant. And so Jesus probably could trace his uh, genealogy. There's a chance he could trace it back to this this uh, this child that was born of Lot's daughters, right? Which I think teaches a pretty good lesson there that it doesn't matter the circumstance that you come from. Your circumstance doesn't determine whether or not you can be righteous or not. It doesn't matter if the world has been destroyed. You can still choose to be righteous, at, just like Jesus did. His he came from, uh, at least from his mom's side, he came from a long line of cool people and scoundrels. So <laughs> it's, 
you'll see that even later on when uh, when Judah has some problems. But all right, chapter twenty. Oh man, Abraham just Abraham better be bringing Sarah flowers a lot is what I'm saying because Sarah has saved his bacon a number of times. Um, is I'm not sure how much time we really need to spend. The, the story is kind of a fun story about uh, Sarah and uh, Abram and, and this guy named Abimelech. Uh, so how would you approach this uh, short little chapter in 20? Ask the students, you know, if you ever uh, felt like you've been warned when you were heading down a wrong path and, and God warned you to stop and correct course before you ended up doing something bad, you know? And uh, I, I would imagine there's some stories there, probably not all that you want to share, you know, like, um, but you can make the point that the Lord provides warnings um, and Abimelech gets a warning here. Yeah, that's so, a good warning. Yeah. Good I mean, warning. I do. I have to say it. I love verse three where it says, God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, thou art but a dead man. And that would get your attention. I think if anybody said you're a dead man, that would get your attention. But if God said it. Yeah. And so yeah. he's, he got, um, it's a pretty cool, that, that at least is a, a principle that you can pull out of this story yeah. that God's going to warn you and he's protecting Sarah. That's another great principle, you know, yeah. she's, um, and, uh, so that's good. And Abraham, I think in that chapter is able to, he explains to Bimelech how he didn't really lie to her, lie to him, that he explains how Sarah really is his sister, just, same father, different mother. And um, and then he blesses Abimelech. So it turns out to be a great story. Next chapter, chapter 21, <laughs> is uh, Sarah has a baby and then wants Hagar gone, right? Remember, Hagar had had Ishmael and um, Sarah's like, okay, good. We got a, we got a kid now. It's, I think it's important to, to remember that that Abraham and Sarah are real people. And it turns out that real people have real feelings and real frustrations and real moments of weakness and moments of strength. And, um, and I don't think it's hard to, to envision Sarah having a hard time with, uh, with Hagar and Ishmael being around. I like how um, Abraham seeks to honor Sarah and also take care of Hagar as well at the at the same time. Um, so, so what, how else are we gonna? Uh, what else do we need to look for in, in chapter twenty one with scripture with our scripture study for the wing? Yeah, I really like what you said. I mean, he, and the the Lord honors both Sarah and mm-hmm. Hagar in spite of this really difficult situation. You know that it would be really hard to even try to understand it uh, ourselves. I like especially verse two, you know, if you were to ask the students, like, what's the exact two word phrase that says when Isaac was born? Yeah. You know, and it's, I just like that, the set time. Mm-hmm. Um, you might cross-reference that back to Genesis 17, verse 21. Um, but it's, you know, the Lord, the blessings will come. He fulfills his word, you know, um, and here comes the fulfillment now of this long awaited blessing uh, for Abraham and Sarah. So um, emph- that part to emphasize here um, 
is great, you know, and that the Lord's timing, you know, time only is measured to man, you know, right. the book of Mormon says, but uh, the Lord's timing is perfect. And I imagine the students in their young lives already have examples that they could verify to show that the Lord's timing yeah. is perfect. And and that we can trust him, you know, and there's so much about all of this story and including, we're going to get it to the, the next chapter about how part of the purpose of this earth life is to learn to trust God. Right. Um, and so, so many of the examples that we're talking about in these chapters are hitting that point over and over in various ways. Yeah. So what about like with Hagar? I wonder if there's any way that our students could relate to Hagar at all um obviously not her you know her life experience none of them would be able to relate to but maybe some of the feelings that might be interesting to discuss like what would have what are some of the feelings that hagar must be dealing with uh as as this as she has this experience and then you could ask your students how many of you have ever felt like hagar in any way and have them kind of share some of those that's a good way to have them relate. I'm, I'm certain that there are some young women and some young men in there that have felt cast out, that have felt like they weren't part of the, the in group. They felt less than uh, and like they were not as important. Um, but then it's interesting to see how the Lord, uh, how the Lord continues to, to take care of Hagar, who has, hasn't done anything wrong at all. But the circumstances in her life it, it just don't seem to be working out so well at that time so that's a good one all right so now we've waited so long for isaac to be born and and we had the a, a baby shower and everything was great and now in chapter 22 we're going to sacrifice him. i think uh chapter 22 and chapter 23 um are just going to be some powerful chapters for, for your students. I think you might, I mean, it's, it's, it might be as simple as for your students saying, you know, they're familiar with the story of Abraham and Isaac. They probably have never read the story. Most of your students have never read the story, but I bet if you challenge them to read slowly and carefully and tell, and tell them that um, these prophets, Abraham and Isaac are, are types of Christ I bet if they read Genesis chapter two slowly and carefully, they can see ways that Abraham or that Isaac is like uh, Jesus Christ and, and ways that Abraham is even like the Savior. So what are some comparisons between uh, the sacrifice of Isaac, the story of the sacrifice of Isaac and the story of the Savior's sacrifice for us? Yeah, it's all through there. And, you know, for a practical point, it might be cool here to... Uh, Give your students a, a printed copy of chapter 22, mm -hmm. um, however you want to do that, so that they can just kind of mark it up and not feel like they've got to commit to this marking in their own paper mm -hmm. scriptures. Or, um, you know, if they're reading it digitally, that it might be cool for them to have a paper set right in front right. of them and, and just give them something to mark with and say, mark every line or circle a word when you're like, this, this has a reference to the Savior. Um, and then that could be a great scripture feasting and then to come back and let them share what they found and why they think that's a, a reference to Christ. There are so many in there that are so, uh, 
Some are obvious and some are not so obvious, uh, but it's they're they're great to look at um, and consider and focus on the Savior throughout this story. Absolutely, that's excellent. Um, so let's see anything else in chapter in that chapter. Yeah, I guess I would just add one thing when, you know, the, the story itself is going to get a lot of attention, but it's worth kind of seeing how the rest of it, like when you get to verse 15, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of outside of the story there, but where the Lord, um, like verse 16 and said, by myself, have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the, upon the seashore. Um, and thy seed shall possess the gate of thine enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. You know, this Abraham's choice to obey is preserving these blessings. Some right. of these, which have been promised from before, but it's obedience that preserves blessings. Yeah. So this, this kind of, how the text is giving us like, yeah, here's this great story. And we can see Christ in this story. Um, but also like, let's, what's the text, what else is the text teaching us about the story? And it's again about obedience to God. Excellent. I think maybe in conclusion, like in chapter 23, this is when Sarah dies. It might be nice for your students just to kind of reflect back on, on her life and kind of kind of put some closure on her life by, by asking a question in what ways did uh, Sarah does Sarah remind us of the Savior what what were her actions that were Christ-like what was um, how did she respond in trials and what impresses us about about her so that might be a, a way just to to add uh, closure there for for Sarah anything else for chapter 23? No, I like that. Have a little funeral service for, yeah. for yeah. Sarah and Let's talk remember about Sarah. Yeah. our mom, Sarah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Is that, is that, yeah, we're stopping 23 and then we got uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Um, that's a great one that your students can memorize. I would implement the old standby uh, of, of having them read it a bunch of times looking for uh looking for gospel truths i you know you might try an activity like what gospel truths are found in uh genesis 1 26 to 27 have them read it a bunch of times and then list all those gospel truths on the board just list them all have them write them all down on on the board and then uh and then ask questions like okay uh of all those gospel principles, what what gospel principle do you think is the most important one for a teenager in 2022 to know? Uh, and then just have your students explain, have them pick one. I think it's this one. Okay, good. Anybody have another one? And just kind of talk, have them talk about those gospel principles that are associated with Genesis uh, 1, 26 through 27. What else you got, Brother Wing, for that doctrinal mastery day? Yeah, I mean, great chat. It seems to answer so many questions yes. that come up in life. Like we, we will find ourselves using the, these verses so often uh, to um, answer a variety of questions, like inside the church and those who maybe are learning about the church or even criticizing the church um, and its doctrine. Yet we can go back to here and there's like about 
that we really are children of God or where it says, let us yeah, make who is this us business. Yeah. Well, that's going to answer some questions, you know? Um, and, uh, and so there's just a lot there. It's worth memorizing, especially the first part of 26 and all of 27. Uh, and let them get into that. And maybe they could start to think of questions that this, that these two verses would answer. I think one important, uh, one important thing to discuss with your students is, is that word us, that to, to us, we recognize, oh yeah, we, we know that God and Jesus and, and the Holy Ghost and others were involved in the creation, but that is a mystery to the rest of the Christian world. Um, we know that in, we don't believe in the Trinity as it's constituted as God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost are, are one being. Um, I remember talking to a Baptist friend of mine who um, he says, I don't know where you guys get the idea that, that God and Jesus are separate individuals. And I said, well, just from the Bible, the first chapter of the Bible. Um, and so I think it's important maybe asking questions like, what difference does it make to know that God is a person and that Jesus is a person? I think that's something that that's a truth that we sometimes take for granted, but we're very lucky to have. Uh, and so we got things like, like revelation, we've got things, you know, or resurrection, right? We can, we can be resurrected and become like them. We're not going to, um, they can relate with us. We, uh, we can relate with them. Uh, and so, so that's a good one. That's a super important doctrinal mastery scripture. Anything else, brother Wayne? I think it's a great verse also to talk about the gathering of Israel that, you know, we're created in his image. Let's, let's go about the work of doing things that God would do in this earth. And so shine a light to the world. Excellent. Excellent. All right, teachers. We hope you have a great week in these chapters. Texas email us, call us, smoke signals, whatever you need to do. Uh, We'd love to, to help you out wherever you're at. So, all right, everybody talk to you there. Stay righteous.